Today on the Cameron Journal Podcast, we are talking with Roy McCarthy. He is an autism and ADHD advocate. He is hashtag actually autistic, as am I. And we are talking about the science and research to do with autism and what our experiences are being autistic in our society. So um, this is an interesting, very interesting episode. Um, He does autism and ADHD coaching, all this type of thing, and he does... Um, literally autistic levels of research on autism. So this is a really great conversation. We're so glad to have him on all the way from down under in New Zealand. This is the Cameron Journal Podcast. Let's go. This is the Cameron Journal Podcast. It's a place where we talk about important things. It's a place where we bring a little slice of the news to you. It's a place where we do important things, have important conversations. It's also things that I like to talk about. My name is Cameron Cowan, and this is the Cameron Journal Podcast. Today on the Cameron Journal Podcast, I am joined by, we'll call him an advocate for autism and ADHD online, Rory McCarthy from way down under in New Zealand, from that part of the planet we forget is there. Um, And uh, he's having a lovely spring day as we're having a lovely fall day because we live on a sphere. And uh, um, we're going to talk, we're going to have some dialogue about autism and ADHD. He has been a lion of going out and finding studies and delving into his own stories and just like reading everything um, he can about all of this. And so as we like to joke in some of my servers, when, you know, when we need autistic levels of detail on something, um, Roy's doing that, but on autism itself. So it's very exciting. I'm very happy to talk to him. Welcome Roy to the Cameron Joel podcast. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Good, thank you. So I want to dive right in with giving some people some context of your whole story. Uh, Like me, you're a late diagnosis, and I wanted to uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself, your story, how you came to be diagnosed, all this sort of thing, so people kind of have the background for everything else we're going to talk about. Okay. Um, So I was born in the early 80s, uh, an elder millennial or a zennial as they call us. Um, I went all the way through mainstream school. Uh, I tried to go to university uh, the first time, uh, ended up not doing so well, uh, basically dropped out a few times, um, went overseas, uh, and lived in Australia for a year, came back um, and studied again, um, and then had to drop out again because I kept getting sick. Um, And then finally, in 2010, I uh, started my software engineering degree and, uh, sorry, 2013, I started my software engineering degree, got that three years later. um, And I got diagnosed with ADHD, in 2013, just as I was in the middle of like the first year. Um, And then uh, I wasn't diagnosed as autistic. I had a terrible time in the workforce when I was doing game development and unfortunately burnt out a lot. Uh, 
which is a common theme. Uh, and uh, uh, basically, um, when I was 37, I was going back to university to do my master's degree um, in uh, social and community leadership. And I had to drop out because COVID started and I just started imploding like in a way that I had never had happened to me before. And it seemed really insignificant in the scheme of things, what had happened to me. Um, and I found out that this was actually the intense autistic burnout. So I discovered in the worst way possible that I was autistic um, and it wasn't, it was only through um, advocacy that I actually even realized that that could be uh, a possibility for me. Um, and then had to uh, basically point blank ask my medical team who was looking after me after I had ended up in hospital after just like so many, so many breakdowns of but I just, I, every day was an, an absolute nightmare. So uh, point back asked at the end of my six free sessions, whether or not they thought I was autistic. And they said, yes, we think you are atypical. We thought that on the first day, but didn't tell you. Um, and so, yeah, I uh, have been doing advocacy stuff uh, for ADHD since 2019, after I got diagnosed a second time. And uh, yeah, I've been advocating for autism since the beginning of this year, so. Excellent, excellent. One of the things that I have been kind of a bit curious about that you've talked about is how the psychology community addresses autism in particular. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I studied psychology at university in 2009. Um, that was how I figured out that I was an ADHD person um, because I, I looked at it and I was like, wow, this like just describes my entire like high school experience, except it was 2009 and you couldn't get diagnosed as an adult then uh, when I tried to in 2010 after demanding that my doctor like refer me. They didn't even take a look at it and just sent me away. Um, and when I learned about autism in psychology, it was just the worst stereotypes, like, you know, don't have empathy, don't have like just all of the things that aren't true about autistic people, um, that they can't have empathy, that they, they can't think for themselves or think what other people are thinking or, and that wasn't my experience. It's known as theory of mind and it's an absolute rubbish theory. But I mean, that actually prevented me from finding out this information a lot earlier because I was like, I can't be autistic. I have empathy, which is the terrible ableism that comes through in the research field. Um, basically, yeah, one of three theories that is still used really predominantly um, in most mainstream research. Uh, so there's there's a very little actual representation of what autism is in terms of how autistic people experience it compared to what science says about us. And all of it seems to be kind of based on just terrible assumptions and never actually questioning the validity of what they're doing. So they may get reliable answers, but they're never asking why they're getting those answers or what they mean. So yeah, super critical of psychology as a field. <laughs> No, and that, that's something that I find, I'm still so new to this. I just got diagnosed in March. Mm -hmm. um, 
and I I came to it from I literally accidentally discovered an Australian YouTuber named Paul who does Asperger's on the inside and right. um and I was watching him and I was kind of like I've said the things that he's saying in fact he thinks like I do this never happens <laughs> like <laughs> like literally ever and that was like the big you know as I like to call it the beginning of the end um <clears throat> And, uh, and so it was, it was, a, it was a, I'm still very, very new to this, but when it comes to what is the relationship between like, on the one hand, psychology is the profession that's supposed to be helping us, but on the same time, they also tend to be very ableist and tend to only be looking for the most severe of cases. How do you navigate yep. that? I mean, doing research is possibly like one of the most dehumanizing experiences that you can like the way that they treat autistic people especially autistic children is just it's it's so not acceptable and the only way that they can do half the stuff they do is if they believe that they're subhuman um and like i found a european psychiatry article just recently it's and it was like we should allow autistic people to become full members of the human community. And I was just thinking, wow, you really said the quiet part out loud. Uh, we weren't yeah, before? I mean, yeah, <laughs> oh, no. it's like, this is an interesting discovery. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have to laugh about it because it's just so grim. Like, um, I, my wife has kind of made me stop doing it after 7 p.m. because I, I wouldn't be able to sleep with some of the stuff that's written just because it is it's just so dehumanizing um yeah just some some experiments uh, that are done still just absolutely i don't understand how they can get past an ethics committee like and, um but I, I guess like and i guess that's why there's been a, a resurgence of autistic uh, autism researchers that are really pushing back against all of the narratives now and trying to actually forge ourselves in the field and um all of the research that i've seen um when they did like this one where they tested uh autism experts knowledge versus autistic people and autistic people knew more than the autism experts about being autistic like in terms of research from a scientific perspective as well it wasn't just their own thoughts it was literally like the science that exists they knew more about it um, which kind of really demonstrates to me like how much work needs to be done in order to actually fix some of these problems. Indeed. Now, when it comes to ableism, <clears throat> this was a new concept um, that I learned from reading your tweets. How do you think ableism manifests in society for autistic people? I think just uh, definitely media representation has, has failed us. Um, completely so there's either rain man i mean we had sears music at the beginning of this year uh which was just a horrible depiction of autistic people um i think uh because the theories of simon baron cohen who's the kind of main autistic autism re i'm sorry main autism researcher not autistic uh basically published the theory of mind thing which says that we cannot think for ourselves or have empathy or infirm motives and so that's really prevalent like everywhere that's still in psychology textbooks that's still basically everywhere and so 
you're either considered high functioning, in which case you don't need support because you're not really that autistic, or you're low functioning and therefore you can't actually, and basically they overestimate our ability to look after ourselves when we are what they deem high functioning, which is something that like a lot of us hate. Um, and then low functioning is just used to deny that person's ability to actually have any cognitive reasoning. And that is not true. Like people who are considered severely autistic generally have apraxia, which means that they, they lose control of um, motor functions so they can look severely impaired, but they're able to think and uh, basically process information completely like the same as any other person. It's just that they, their body is uh, is wired to a system that isn't functioning as well as it should be. <clears throat> no, that makes that makes sense. That makes sense. So what how if we were to be able to like rebuild society, to help autistic people function better, where would we start? I think, I mean, one of the things that autistic people fought to get added to the DSM-5 was sensory sensitivity, which seems to be um, almost uniform across everyone. Uh, so autistic people- I myself would ban fluorescent lighting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, these are, these are simple accommodations that we could make that would actually benefit everyone. Um, that's the thing with uh, most of the stuff, like low noise environments are good for people. There's lots of studies that environmental noise actually cause residual conditions like heart, heart failure. And there's a whole lot of information about uh, just uh, noise pollution, light pollution, and their effects on like circadian rhythms. And so like replacing all of the streetlights with LEDs is a huge problem at the moment because it's causing a lot of issues with people unable to sleep because it's too bright. Um, so, I mean, there's there's just a ton of accommodations. I think, first of all, they could just listen to autistic people. Um, when I started researching, like none of the things that I've seen in research that's come out recently haven't been said by autistic people already on the internet. Like they've been fighting back against the narrative since 1995 uh, when the theory of mind, uh, like, uh, first paper came out, um, and it's been disproven. Just it's it's been disproven again and again and again because the way that they test for it is just it's got flawed methodology, or it's it's not valid, or it's not reliable. When they even test it, like the biggest indicator of most of the theory of mind tasks is uh, whether or not a person can. Uh, has a large vocabulary and then and then they tend to do better on the test. Um, so if for a communication, like one thing that is consistent is that autistic people have communication issues. We have problems sometimes conveying what we mean to people. Um, but yeah, it's it's super frustrating. <laughs> um, and I think, yeah, I mean, mainly accommodations for sound and light, uh, like those tend to be the sensitivities that are most prevalent in the populations. Um, they also interfere with things like epilepsy, which is another high co-occurring condition with uh, autism. Um, so just like listen to autistic people, make, make simple accommodations that will help everyone. Just say what you mean in conversations, like, don't, don't have subtext that is that, that you seem to read into our statements, but we don't read into yours and we're supposed to. So, yeah. 
Yes, I mean, that's. <clears throat> I've been thinking a lot about social interaction lately. Um, I have a, a friend of mine here, and I've been talking about like how to navigate the employed world, which has never worked out for me. That's why I do this. Um, <laughs> and uh, and it was funny because I I found that like the the way to navigate an office environment effectively it just it just it just seems anathema to the way things work like if you do too much and you can solve every problem then you become a hero and no one likes you um apparently you have to be like okay with horrific terrible inefficiencies and never say anything about it because it might like get like it might, it will piss people off because like you're threatening their job or whatever have you um yeah. apparently like trying to like suggest things or have ideas or even just being like oh i think this is the most effective way to do this is like controlling which i don't really understand um you're not really supposed to solve problems unless that's your job and you can't be too smart because no one values it and you can't do like the best that you can do you're just supposed to you know do whatever it is they ask you nothing more and perhaps a lot less. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, don't, that... like, this just doesn't make any, like, it just doesn't make any logical sense to me. Does that make any sense? Like, I just, I'm just kind of like, this doesn't work. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I think kind of one of the most frustrating things is that whenever I've had knowledge, it's never been to the order of other people. It's like literally, I just want to share that knowledge with people. And I have, I've had this issue for my entire life. Um, in my first ever school report, I got a D because I spent more time helping other people than working on my own work. Um, oh, I was that and, kid. I was that kid. Was my, like, my dear friend Tabitha, I literally taught her how to read. And people yeah, were so I mean, mad. And it's kind of like, but she, I taught her how to read. Like, what's the problem and everyone was just kind of like that's not what you're supposed to do and i'm kind of like i've been reading since i was three she can't read anything i'm like i've done a good thing here folks like <laughs> yeah i mean it's just yeah it's 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 always seen as intimidating if you have knowledge and it shouldn't be like it should like knowledge should be shit that's the entire purpose is like for people to know things um and, and just arguments as well like in Western culture were just so weird because it was about winning the argument as opposed to coming to the most correct answer. So like, yeah, just so many things just frustrate me because it's all about dominance and superiority as opposed to cooperation. And I think most of that is because we live in a capitalist society. Well, yes, I mean, we do have a economic system that is optimized for winning market share, which is dominance and superiority, as opposed to cooperative economics in which everybody gets what they need. Yeah. And yeah. even in many cases, a few things they want, you know? Um, yeah, I just, it's just when it comes to the employment thing, I, that's the one thing like I've been looking at because I've just, I've spent so much time in my life being so bad at it. And I always like to talk to other people to be kind of like, you know, how did you navigate the world of having a job? Because I always get fired after six months. Like, See, I, I come yeah. in, I do a bunch of stuff, I solve a bunch of problems, and they're kind of like, we got to get this dude out of here. He is, whew, go away, please. 
Yeah, so I mean, in my time working, and I've had, I've worked in many different industries. So I worked in hospitality, I worked in film and television, I worked in tech support, I worked in telecommunications support, and then I worked as a game programmer for six years um, across six titles, actually. Um, and yeah, it's just there was one job I had where I was actually treated correctly. And I think it's just a huge issue with the way that we're managing people. Like it's like nobody's honest when they're, they're having like issues with you. And that, that was something that had never happened to me except in one, I mean, by the time I find out that they've, they've had a problem, they've been letting it fester for months. Um, and then come with a whole heap of stuff that's been upsetting them and then would just throw it at me in a meeting and I would shut down, which I didn't know this is what was happening. And I just go silent and like not talk and appear really sullen. Um, and that would just sour the relationship. Um, but in the company that I worked for, which is really good and I'll plug them forever, which is Runaway. Um, there were a game studio, uh, like the first time I ever had issues and I wasn't diagnosed as autistic here. Um, so, uh, they pulled me aside and they said, Hey, is this an ADHD thing? And then the next thing they asked is, Hey, what can we do to help? And I was, I was like, what? Like, this is how like people get managed sometimes. Like this is, this is what I've needed my entire life. Like, and that I, I did really well there. Like I, I wasn't, there was no such thing as a stupid question. There was, uh, so, I mean, I just had like, it was clear communication the whole time. I never, never felt like I, I didn't know what was going on or if people had any, like were saying stuff about me behind my back because that just, that never happened to the company. Like nobody talked behind each other's backs. Um, so it is possible, like, but it's just, yeah, I think there's a, there's an honesty problem, like, and whoa, that is what it is. Like people, people aren't, aren't brave enough to be honest with each other when they're having issues and instead will use back channel communication to basically complain about you until it becomes a, just a hostile environment. And that doesn't help anyone grow or actually improve. So yeah, I mean, you just end up in a pattern where you keep getting laid off. Um, I think mine was just assistance. I just kept trying, uh, even though I kept getting sick. Like, uh, I mean, I would work and I'd get Crohn's disease flares from stress, but I'd have to keep working and I'd be in a nine or 10 in pain. Like, a, and yeah, I mean, I lost bowel because of pushing myself through stress. I lost, like, it's just been horrific. Like, um, and then in that final company, I like got through a winter without seasonal depression and I like had no social anxiety because everyone was really lovely and yeah it's just so frustrating to me that workplaces can be good but nobody really puts in the effort to actually manage staff correctly no that has definitely been been my been my experience and the more the more I like have finally learned like like how the working world actually works. Like you can't be, you know, it's like you, it's like there's all of these things that you can't be. And it's like, but that's what I got. Like, you know, yeah. so it's like, it's like that's kind of my whole thing. And like, like, like the last night, my friend was kind of like, there's so much more to you than just like, like being smart and like ready to solve every problem and all this type of thing. And that's the side of, like, that's the side of yourself that, you know, you have to show people. Like that's, you know, what it is and so you know if you don't 
scare people with having too much knowledge and doing too much and beating other people's jobs like you would have more success and yeah I'm kind of like I mean I guess lesson learned you know good to know yeah um but part of me is kind of like see this is why I write books and do podcasts and all this type of thing like I you know to me, I look at it as like if I have to go to a place and you know do one very small thing, <clears throat> and I don't bring my whole self and my whole knowledge and all the things that I know can do for it, that seems like just a terrible waste. I would yeah. be bored. Yeah, you know? that's just. I mean, this is it. Like, it's it's frustrating. Like. I basically spent most of my time learning not to communicate the things that I wanted to, like, because I would make the mistake of being honest and, and submitting feedback and, like, being like, hey, this isn't good. And then on all my performance reviews in the section, like, which I found out way later, like, where, like, people would be like, ah, oh, you know, like, what are your weaknesses? And they'd put, like, tiny things. I would write, like, that would be the section that I was most critical about myself. Like, I'd be like, all of this stuff needs improving. Because, uh, you know, I just wanted to be as honest as possible. I mean, I have OCD as well, which is related to honesty. So I can't lie. And that's a compulsion for me. Like, if I, if I, if I felt like I had deceived my workplace, I, I would basically just... I, I'd ruminate about it forever. So, um, yeah, I mean, I was basically brutal, brutally honest all the time about my failings, and most other people I found out were not, or would would forget, or just not put stuff. Um, and I just watched a whole lot of people who did less work than me, and when I was in the workforce, I'd uh, get far bigger bonuses because they were better at talking about themselves and performance reviews, and I'd be so frustrated. I mean, the other thing that kind of sucks is that I am inconsistent in, in how much I work. Like, so I, in an eight-hour day, um, some days I'll, I'll work the full eight hours. Um, but I think this is true of everyone, and I've looked into research, is that most people work around three hours a day. Um, but it was far more noticeable for me um, for some reason, <laughs> because I guess I'm, I'm, I'm different. And, yeah, it just... It just led to so many jobs where I just got managed out um, and got to the point where, like, yeah, in my in my final job, which was the runaway, like, the first time they said, hey, can we have a chat? Like, my heart almost, like, burst out of my chest at that point because I was like, oh, my God, this is it. They're about to fire me again. Like, this is how it always goes down. And then they offered me help. And I was like, oh, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it is frustrating. Yeah, for me, it's it's one of those things where, like, you know, like, the, like one of the things, she's, she's kind of like, it's like, here's the problem. She's like, you know all the stuff, you've done all the research, you've done on the homework, here's the thing that you forget, nobody cares. And so when you talk about, like, having knowledge and wanting to spread it, I'm kind of like, okay, if someone is taking the time to, like, learn the best way to do something and all this type of thing, call me crazy, but isn't like the most logical thing to like look at the whole overall picture and be like oh my goodness we found a better way to do this let's give it a try let's give it a whirl let's see what happens and apparently like that's literally the opposite of what you're supposed to do yeah i mean this is, this is one thing that cracks me off about like 
the stereotypes around autism because it says that you know we're like restrictive and like don't like change and it's not that we don't like change it's that we don't like inconvenient change like where you just change things without like a clear reason or but like we want to optimize like a significant portion of science fiction is written by autistic people because they're constantly imagining a better future you've got people like Greta Thunberg who basically is like a climate campaigner who, who just wants a better world um so yeah I don't know like there's just this people are so stuck in their ways that when you challenge things they see it as a threat to their existence um or their you know way of doing things and I think this is just it just slows progress like yeah and that's a good that's, idea yeah and, and the, like the part that I resent the most about that is like my friend keeps being like see that like you're, you're, you're trying to control the project and you're trying to control the process and you're trying to wrest control from everyone else and that's not your job and I'm kind of like I don't want to be in charge <laughs> like in fact I'm just, the opposite I'm trying to like help other people do things more effectively so we can reach our goal like isn't that what we're here to do like <laughs> yeah but it comes yeah, apparently it comes off as being very controlling and i i resent yeah. that <laughs> like <laughs> yeah i mean i guess this is the other thing that i mean like what you consistent finding about autistic people is that we just have a systems view of things so we tend to look at things in their complexity rather than simplicity and yeah, I mean, our speaking out against social rules and stuff like that is because if we, if we can't find a like reasonable explanation for stuff, like we're not going to be happy about it. Like, like that needs to actually have a purpose and a rule. Like, like Ted, like etiquette at tables, for example. Like, you never understood that as a kid. Like, why did I have to hold my fork a certain way? Like why was this important surely the purpose of eating is to get food in the mouth <laughs> like not the way in which it goes into the mouth so yeah I don't know it's just there's a whole lot of stuff that's wrapped up in tradition and any threats to that are just not not taken well yeah no it, I mean that, yeah that is I mean that has literally been like my central my central sort of thing and she's like and she's like you know well she's she's like she's like honestly the key to like how to like having a job is to literally not care about anything other than the small task that you're doing and to like yeah. not try to like control the whole thing or like have any other ideas or whatever have you and nobody cares about how smart you are no one's ever going to value for, yeah, value you for that all this type of thing like, and you can't like you can't solve everybody else's problem because ultimately you're doing other people's jobs for them and that's just going to piss people off and i'm just kind yeah. of like well i guess i better find a way to make this website pay better money because <laughs> all right I, i'm, I'm the same way like if there's no reason to do something nothing pisses me off more to be kind of like yeah. so we're just doing this for to hear our brains rattle yeah yeah why like yeah I mean yeah I get told off at like every company and I, I do it at so many jobs I try and optimize the systems because this is super inefficient like this like we, we're literally taking like in tech support we take like eight different types of calls and be like how come we don't have a standard template for like what we need for each of these like people for our support teams and they were like no 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 like this is the way we've always done it and I was just like this is ridiculous <laughs> This is the way that we've always done it is a terrible excuse to keep doing something like 
if it can be improved. No. Yeah, and yeah. so you know, sometimes you get stuck with things, and that's whatever. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, if there's like a better pathway to do something that still achieves the same goal and like produces the same data that you need, and all this type of thing, you know, it seems to me that it would be, you know, if capitalism is supposed to be optimized for efficiency, that would seem to be the logical way to do something. But as I have mm -hmm. found out, efficiency doesn't have anything to do with it. It has much nope. more to do with one popularity, which yep. is really hard for autistic people. Um, and two, it is all about, you know, people and like their issues and their insecurity and their pride and all this type of thing. And I find most like I've been interacting with so many autistic people, like we don't insert ourselves in like that. Like we are not kind of like, oh, well, this is bad because it disadvantages me or somebody's going to, like, we don't get all in ourselves about that. We're just like, oh, this yeah. is the better way to do it. Yeah, like, I mean, you know, like, yeah, we just, we're not, we don't get involved, like emotionally involved. Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of frustrating, like, just how much uh, just being misunderstood, like, or uh, like, when I didn't know I was autistic, just so many things I did were at, I just, I didn't know why I did stuff. Like, I mean, I've always had an aversion to status, like as, as a symbol of anything, like I'd rather be living a good life based on moral reasoning, as opposed to making money or so. And all of the times that I tried to motivate myself to make money like as the number one goal, I was miserable. Like I, I hated life. I was like, this is like, this is so meaningless. Like, um, it was only after like discovery that I was autistic. I was just like, oh, this is why like I've had a strong like need to like I'm incredibly self-driven. I care tons about other people, but uh, and, like and that is my main motivation is making society better for everyone. But I I I just I I'm averse to capitalism. Like I feel like it's it's like I'm oil and it's water. And just yeah, I mean this is why I've ended up like becoming a coach and running my own business is because I get to kind of model what I want um, in terms of like pricing models and how I like present myself and I can kind of set the rules and then model the behavior of the society I want, which is, yeah, and things like writing and like all of my information. I just want to make that available free because that is my ethos. Like I don't think that information should be charged for where, where, where you can, um, Unfortunately, though, like you still have to pay bills, which is which is the downside. So, yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, at, at a certain point as well, I realized that uh, I just I don't think I'll ever be good in a workplace. Like, um, my my interests change. I need to be able to do like different things at different times. Um, so I have special interests, which I guess, but I have so many, <laughs> and I also they also change. So I mean, I. I want a large amount of time so that I can just learn. Like that is my my number one thing that I love doing is learning about everything. Um, no, I I'm I'm that is, I think that's I mean I totally agree with you. I think that's one of my worst qualities because literally there was one night like I fall down YouTube rabbit holes. It's dangerous. I literally watched a GE training video on how to fix turbines. Yeah. I'm not a turbine I technician. I don't work on turbines. 
ever. <laughs> like, I don't have a mechanical engineering degree, all this type of thing. But did I sit there and watch all this fascinating stuff about turbines? You betcha. Because incidentally, I found it fascinating. And then I, I'm working on this fiction book that's an alt-Earth uh, steampunk fantasy. And I decided to make the turbine the primary, like, engine that is used for um, powering everything. Cars, ships, planes, the whole thing. And and I was able to do it effectively because I'd spent all this time learning about turbines. I mean, this is what goes on in my world. It's depressing. This is the thing, right? Like, we get really, like, yeah, I mean, but I've had so many odd or peculiar interests over the years, like, just just random things. And um, one of the things that I, I do think that I, I, like, I'm able to do well is just, I don't think there's anything that I won't give a shot. Like, like if I if I want to learn about something, I will just go and learn about it. Like, um, but I didn't know this. Like that I was better. I mean, I've always I'd certainly kind of this year that I've that been kind of retroactively looking at my life and the times where I've done best or succeeded the most are the ones where I taught myself. <laughs> like I didn't do well in school because I hated rote learning. Like I was terrible at it. Um, but I, I learned everything I could outside of school. Like that was, and even like, yeah, I mean, I can do well with a mentor or, but most of the time I just want, I don't need lectures. I don't like, I don't like structured learning. I like unstructured and chaotic learning. Uh, so yeah, it's just, it's really hard being the sort of person that needs to constantly learn as well, because the second as well for me that a job got too tedious or I was doing the same stuff again, I would just start tuning out and then I'd focus on the money again. Then I'd be like, oh, you know, it's important because I'm making money and then my life get miserable. And then I just feel like, okay, this isn't working. And so I need to find a new career or find a new like thing to do. Um, so I guess this is why working for myself and doing ADHD coaching, which is what I do primarily for business now, is so good because no two people are the same. I like help them, um, and so that's always fresh for me. Um, no, and it's yeah. funny because here's here's how diverse autistic people are. I love a lecture. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm no, just trying to say no, that. No, no, and I'm not saying either, like, both systems are okay. I know people yeah. that are like you, don't talk at them, give them a book, send them to the corner, they're happy as a clam. I'm the opposite. If I have to, like, I will go read a thick book about something, but if I can sit there and talk to somebody about it, that's, like, my best learning, which was terrible oh. in school. Um, if I can sit yeah. there and talk to somebody about it, <laughs> see, I do a podcast. <laughs> There's a method to yeah. the madness. Um, so, like, if I can sit there and talk to somebody about it, that's, like, my best learning. The second one is I like in college, I did not do all the reading, but I would go to class because I could sit there, I could listen, I could ask questions, I could talk to my fellow students, and I would come away being like, okay, I get it now. Let's do yeah, it. Let's work I mean, it out. Like, yeah, I love it. Like, but it's diverse. Like, it's not a monolith. Like, you don't like it. Yeah. I think it's great. This ah, is diverse, so, folks. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm okay with lectures, like, as long as I can speed them up. Like, that is number one thing that I have issues with, is that people talk so slowly compared to how my brain processes information. Um, 
And so, yeah, I mean, like you said, with the one-on-one -on -one thing, like uh, I learned more under a good mentor in programming in three months than I did in my like four-year software engineering degree. So uh, <laughs> I 100% I agree with that. Like I, uh, I couldn't believe like how much I learned how and, and how quickly when I just had somebody that I could always ask questions of. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I do like lectures for stuff. I mean, it's, I, I learn any way that I can. It's just, I don't like structured in terms of like, I uh, didn't like going to university and having to go to lectures that were, you know, like sequential and then like we'd cover a topic and I don't know, it just, I found that really difficult um, to maintain interest because it was generally too slow for the way that I learned. Um, no, I, I get that there's lots of times where I, I've been, you know, sitting, listening to something and I'm just kind of like, the point, let's get to it while we're young. Because I myself, like if I'm taking something in, I can take in a lot of information at once and make sense of it very quickly. And that's not how the world works. You know, which yeah. I mean, it's great yeah. for my business because I write about the world. Mm. That's why our slogan is our, our world explained because I read 150 wow. news sites a day and I'm kind of like, oh, that thing's happening over there, that thing's over there. And I will find relationships between things that people don't think yep. is a thing you know yep. yeah. and that's, yeah yeah that's system thinking like it's really like why climate change is so terrifying to autistic people it's because we can see it like it's not this this pattern is pretty clear um and that's just frustrating because nobody's doing anything about it but yeah so I think, yeah, love of learning is like when I looked into research, like that was one of the highest, it was always one of the highest um, like strengths that autistic people seem to have, uh, like in, in character strength surveys. So, yeah, it's really frustrating as well because so many of us are like subject matter experts in specific areas but we don't have the qualifications to match it so our, our expertise is discounted um like it's very hard to get people to listen to me about autism research who aren't autistic um because i, I don't have a psychology degree and yet i've helped two people who have phds in psychology realize that they too are autistic like it's just so it's, uh, See, I, I yeah. love what you do because it's not a special interest of mine. And it's like, oh, yeah. good. He's over there doing it. And when I need to know something, I'll just go to his Twitter feed. And I'm like, yeah. I don't know anything about this, but I know people that do. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I it's like, what I love like about if you want to know about like masculinity, politics, international relations, you check my Twitter yeah. feed. <laughs> like, yeah. I've got you covered. <laughs> it's so, it's so like, this is what I love about just a people is that, you know, and, and all of the ones that I've inadvertently met through my life who also were not uh, like diagnosed have been super passionate about their subject areas. And it's so easy to learn from those people because they just, they have like a voracious need to know everything about whatever subject area they're in. So like they, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really frustrating that so much is put or tied to a qualification system that so many of us struggle with um, in terms of the way that they want us to learn, which is generally rote learning. Um, whereas if we were able to just have discussions or do assignments about stuff or not have exams or we'd be able to show our expertise. Um, 
and yeah, that's. I don't know. This is just uh, asking. No, no. I mean, I'm. No, I'm. I'm in a. I'm doing a master's of fine arts in creative writing right now, which is basically mm -hmm. the PhD of the arts. And mm -hmm. it, what the thing that I've found, the, and I've written about this, is the thing like I find the most frustrating. It's like we have advisors and mentors, but we're like low key kind of not allowed to talk to them very often. Yeah. And I I came to this program with not doing undergrad in English. I have two degrees in political science, completely different field. And so mm -hmm. when I came in, it's like, it's like, oh, I, there's all, all these new assignments and things and, and methods and all this type of thing. And I'm kind of like, okay, like, what's the rules? What's the process? Like, what's the checklist? Like, what do I follow? All this type of thing. And everyone's kind of like, oh, like, we go read this book and figure it out. And I'm kind of like, this is frustrating. So I had to develop my own, like, yeah. step one, do this, find this. Step two, like, like I was the one that had to like basically figure out the process to be like, all right, here's how you do critical work in this program. Like I had to struggle to figure out how to do it because you weren't supposed to talk to your advisor and they didn't have a lot of help anyway, you know? Yeah. And I, it was just one of those things I'm kind of like, this is so, it's been so frustrating and so maddening. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, we just, it's I think awful. as well, as a society, like everywhere, we undervalue education. Like education is how you change the world. Like, uh, like the amount of resource that's put into education is so minuscule compared to the benefits that it actually gives, like, like being, uh, I remember reading in Eurotribes when a lot of the stuff with all of the modern computing was done by autistic people who basically didn't have like they were eccentric and and like non-communicative and didn't teach but they were given huge stipends just to basically learn and try and create things um and that just that barely exists these days and it's always behind mountains of paperwork which is which is tedious and frustrating to do um yeah so it's just i don't know it's it's such a huge issue i wish education was valued more no, I I agree, and I I've been involved in some like alternative education projects that tried to do that, and they they always somehow seem to get sort of bludgeoned over the head by the greater education system, which prioritizes money over anything else. And yeah, it's, it's always standardization. It, yeah. Like it's it's always you get a standardized education, which by itself like doesn't allow for innovation uh you're getting no, people just to learn the same things that are already known like and yeah i think this is one of the things that it's just frustrating because there's so many other ways to learn now and when i you know i've retroactively gone through my life i basically i was terrible at school for the first six years and the only reason that i overcame three different learning disabilities related directly to schooling which is dyslexia, dysgraphia, and dyscalculia, is I played video games, like, and they taught me everything that I needed to know. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's just, I don't know, that's just, everything's about a standard. Like, like, we're so obsessed with standardizing everything, and it's just stifled, it's stifled creativity, like. Yes, no, I mean, that's, that's one of the terrible things they've done with the American education system is 20 years ago, they got an obsession with standardized testing. And yep. uh, 
And and it was it's funny because I in my first nonfiction book I wrote about education and I was studying the Swedish system and I, I was watching this documentary and one of the Swedish teachers said, Well, the first thing the Americans need to do is get rid of standardized testing. He's like, It doesn't yeah. work, it's a complete waste of time. We don't do it here because it it's not helpful. Like, and studies have shown in education, standardized testing shows you one thing, the socioeconomic status of the students involved, well, rather their parents, but like, yeah. now it's kind of like, well, we already have that data. So this is a waste of our time. Um, you know, it, yeah. yeah. So it, no, I, I entirely, I entirely agree. I, I was, I was kind of lucky. Like I kind of have been able to work within educational institutions in a way that is pretty rare in our little tribe um and i'm not quite sure how that works or what that's about but i've i have done and um and 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 i you know i find that to be uh you know to be a bit um to, to, to definitely be a barrier for people and i feel like you know as these other sort of alternative ways of learning are coming out and even as institutions are trying other ways of doing things it's a far, it's a far thought, but maybe it will give people who ordinarily wouldn't be able to function within those systems a chance. We'll see. Uh, yeah, I really hope so. Like, it's just, it's super frustrating. I mean, most of the reason that I kept dropping out of university is that I didn't come from a background where I, I had to work through university in order to pay for it. So I was doing 20 to 40 hours on top of my university study. And I was autistic with limits and I kept pushing through sensory like needs that I had that I didn't know I had. And yeah, I mean, my Crohn's disease is pretty much entirely related to stress from my research and I've been able to stop it now that I actually manage sensory stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, justified knowing that I was autistic far earlier in my life would have been so much easier. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to late diagnosis, I think everybody has, I know I have that feeling of, I wish I'd known it 10 years ago. And for me, I look at it as, I mean, I've lived a very interesting and eclectic life. There are people who would pay a lot of money to go to to do the many of the things that I've done. And I'm kind of like, well, that was all pointless. I could have stayed (laughs) home. Like, I didn't need to do any of those things. What a waste of time. And now it yeah. seems like, you know, I mean, I have a lot of cool stories, which is helpful when one is a writer. Um, yeah. But I also feel like, I feel like my life was over before it ever got started because of autism. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I reconcile with as well. Like, I, I mean, I, I mean, I've gone back though, and especially in New Zealand, if I was diagnosed and was a child, especially with three different learning disabilities, um, if they'd been detected, I would have been thrown into special ed. And I am hugely impressionable in terms of, like, I basically was living for other people's expectations. So if a teacher hated me, I did bad in the class. If a teacher liked me, I'd be a straight student. Like, um, and if I got put in special ed, like, I would have like that would have stunted my learning like in, in a potentially really bad way. So I don't know, I like, I try and look on the bright side of the, the late diagnosis and maybe the fact that I wasn't diagnosed in New Zealand ended up being a good thing. Um, I would have loved to have known about 10 years ago when I was in my twenties, but 
I think definitely if I'd gone through the education system in the eighties and late eighties and early nineties, it's just like, I, I would have been far worse off and, and in some ways, I guess the late diagnosis saved me. Um, yeah. And that's, that was one of the central things I wanted to ask you about. I am, I am very, I, I am, I am heartened by some of the like super positive things that you have said about it and kind of how you you found the bright side of it. And I kind of want to understand your thinking about that because I'm still very much on the not so positive side of things. Like I, I kind of look at it as not only is my life from here on out over, but everything I've done so far has been a giant colossal waste of time. Um, and I don't, I don't so, know how to get out of that. So, this is like one thing that I think all late diagnosed people do. I think I kind of had seven years of hating myself for, or six years of hating myself because I had ADHD and I didn't know what that meant really because all of the, when I got diagnosed, especially the, the most dominant like narrative at the time was it's a superpower. And I was like, my life is wreckage. How can you say this? Like, um, and I don't, and I don't subscribe to the, the, it's, it's a superpower thing. It does have some benefits, but I think more than that, I'm just human. Like I just am slightly different. I have different challenges and there are certain gifts that I have. I mean, my life's incredibly difficult and managing a whole lot of certain things. So I've had to make large scale life changes in terms of how I manage day to day stuff. Once I found out I was autistic. Um, but I don't know, I just, once I learned how to live within what I understood about the autistic framework, I, I forgave myself pretty much for everything bad that, I mean, like there was, I owned all the stuff that was negative. That was me. Um, but I mean, I understood why people didn't think that I was telling the truth or because I went flat and I would often have the opposite, like emotional reaction. It wasn't until I learned acting at, uh, high school that I basically learned how to emote correctly because I spent tons of time in, a, in front of a mirror trying to like learn like what the correct reactions are. Um, but I mean, yeah, I don't know. Like I, there's a, I mean, I basically ended up in a hospital after a suicide attempt and something about that experience broke me in a good way because I was just like, this can't be it. Like, it's just like there's got to be more to life than this and i guess undoing ableism was like a, a whole part of that like we have so much internalized ableism about what we should be able to do but we didn't realize that we were doing a lot of the limits that we were actually able to live within um and so when i retroactively look now and i'm like wow i had three different learning disabilities that weren't detected by anyone and i still got a university degree taught myself math like all of these things that are incredibly difficult to do. Um, I, I basically was able to have self-compassion um, and I'm like really proud of the stuff that I've achieved, even if it, even if at the moment, like my life isn't spectacular from what people would consider a successful life to be. I feel like I am content uh, in, in who I am and in what I've done considering all of my challenges. No, that, that is, <clears throat> people keep telling me that. I apologize for coughing. Our weather is changing. Mm -hmm. We're going from sun to fall and 
my sinuses are not on board with this. Um, <laughs> I apologize. That's fine. Um, and so I'm like really muting here in the background, like taking medication while I'm listening to you. Um, and uh, um, I, yeah, that everybody keeps telling you that kind of like, yeah, like, you know, when you went and lived in Europe for three months, you were autistic the whole time. You just didn't know. And like, I used to work in fashion. They're kind of like, you know, when you worked in fashion, did all that. And like, you know, ran a publication when you were 21 while also being in grad school, like you were autistic that whole time too. And I'm just kind of like, yeah, but none of those opportunities ever led to anywhere. I didn't usually get paid a lot for them. And I could have just stayed in my parents' basement playing video games. Yeah, so... Why have I done these things? Why have I worked 14, 16-hour days? All this type of thing. It just seems so pointless. I mean, it depends. I like... <clears throat> I don't know. I just tried to integrate everything into a coherent narrative about what I believe about myself, which is, like... And just, I don't know, it's a lifetime, like my, I, I mean, like, I basically got to a point where I did finally break, like, I just, I, I put myself through so much. Um, and I, like, I have some, some achievements that I'm proud of, but I mean, I have pretty much the same as you, like, I did so many things and just like, wow, this was a waste of time. Um, but I wouldn't be the person I am today who I'm really proud of uh, after like spending a lot of time working out how to live for me in terms on, of like what what does it mean to me to have a good life like what and so a lot of that was studying philosophy and I found stoicism which was um, all about and it has four cardinal virtues and one of them is living for the greater good and I finally found a system outside capitalism that like made sense to me. I was like, wow, okay, if I if I do this stuff and I've like living this way now and with like this set of goals is far more like, great for me. And the terms that they use is uh it's it's eudaimonia and that's the name of my coaching business. And I just wanna help people lead a better life of walking. Um rather than the system that we've been told that we have to constantly appease and be happy with. Uh rather try and work outside it so yeah no i definitely i definitely see that I'm, I'm encouraged that one day i can look at myself in as positive a light as you do yeah i mean maybe it, i'll get it, there it in work. time it, it takes work like it does it does and I'm, i don't want to it, it took it was a long road like i hated myself for a long time um basically 37 years and then it was a whole lot of trying to focus on what my strengths are, like working out, like what was I actually good at this whole time compared to what I believed about myself. And uh, one day I realized that I actually liked the person that I am. And then I was like, and from there, I mean, that's just a lot easier when you like yourself to to have compassion about things you can't change. and And... I guess compassion for the things like that went wrong um but yeah it's i mean a lot of it is grieving i've cried a lot like i've looked back at my life and just been like this was wreckage like i just like i basically sabotaged so many things because i didn't know i was autistic and i could be angry and upset but it doesn't really help me like 
intense and i was and i i mean i still i still get bouts of anger but i just i use that to try and change systems so that other people don't have to go through what i did um in order to find out but they're autistic or to learn and so i just want to challenge the narratives that exist about systems that uh, impact autistic people so that you know they can live a better life um and that gives my life meaning so uh, no that's fantastic no that's one of the reasons i like you is because like you have you have turned a sauzier into a silk purse and i'm 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 i honor that so much you have no idea you know because my my fundamental narrative about myself is cameron's kind of a bit shit um and uh i I absolutely honor the fact like you like you have you have taken a sauzier and turned it into a silk purse and i'm very impressed yeah yeah i mean it was hard work like i i mean yeah like i said like basically since age eight or nine but my hyperfocus and hyperfixation was why the fuck am i different and like how the hell do i be normal and yeah i just i dedicated all of my life basically to masking like that was that was and that took out most of my time and i'm like this is like i look back now though and i'm really angry i wasted so much of my life trying to be like other people that I forgot how to be me like and that's what that's what has made me happy the the final like living for myself but still I still I love people like people have been horrible to me but I still think that people are fundamentally good it's just that there's communication there is um, being autistic really to me feels like you're stuck in an episode of arrested development um and if people just talk to each other you'd, you'd resolve like tiny misunderstandings about the way that words are used or underlying things and yeah i mean i want to build that world so that people don't don't have to go through like all of the trauma that we seem to no, I entirely agree. I mean, when I was 12 years old, I went to the library and started reading books about how to like, I, I started with Daniel Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people. I'm like, I need a personality that people find acceptable. I just go to the library and read some books about it. This is me at 12 yeah. years old. I know, dumb as a box yeah. rock, but here I am at the library reading. And like, people don't realize it's kind of like, you know, you're so great and people like you and like, you know, like you're popular, like people follow you, all this type of thing. And I'm kind of like, you guys do not realize everything you see is manufactured. Like I was a kid yeah. who like had my teddy bears. I watched cartoons played with my Legos. Like that's my fundamental personality. Everything yeah. else was just piled on top of that or done in a way to like make, to like repackage myself to be more acceptable to people. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's kind of, that is the frustrating part. Like uh, as about late diagnosis is trying to pick apart what is actually you underneath everything. Like, like, and that was hard. Like, I mean, yeah, just I, I never thought that my needs were ever important. So I just I I was a full on people pleaser. Like I would just I would do whatever. I would blend into whatever group. Um, unknowingly. Uh, because I didn't realize I was masking so much. Uh, and when I took the, the the masking test, I got a score of 169 out of 175. I'd like almost become a master, master masker because I'd just been using any information I could find to integrate into 
a likable person. Um, and what I didn't realize is that was actually just a likable person under there all the time. And if I, I don't know, like a lot of it as well, like if I had some confidence, like to assert myself, I, I wouldn't have ended up in so many bad situations, but I just, I just never considered my own needs. Um, and that I think is kind of the definition of it's just basically fundamentally denying who you are in order to to become the people that you think people want. Well, I mean, let's also face it, like <clears throat> there is, especially as children, a certain aspect of group approval that we crave. And yep. for me, other children hated me. Absolutely. Oh, was... Like being a child was an awful because every other kid hated me. And yeah, so, was... so, for, so for me, it was kind of like the, oh God, there must be something wrong with me because everybody hates me and I crave group approval. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's, that was my experience too. I was friends with my bullies like in primary school and that was super damaging for me. Like I didn't realize because I was naive. Um, and it wasn't until I was like 13 that I realized that this wasn't okay. Like I was like, oh, um, and I'd get peer pressured into so many things. And then, yeah, I was nearly getting expelled from school after they got me to shoplift cigarettes. But, and I got caught, but I was like, wait, like, I don't think these people have my back. Like, um, and yeah, I mean, I spent a good portion of my like teens just alone like i was just a loner person who drifted between groups um until i i like left school um and it was i did theater and that was the only place that i really talked to people but aside from that i just i was trying to survive like i just didn't want to be at school i hated it yeah i didn't really have friends until college i also had this weird phenomena with people who were mean to me if I could approach them on an individual level, we would get along fantastically. But the minute they were in a group of people, I was out. So I had this weird relationship where I was like, I was friends with all the popular kids who, who you know, picked on everybody, but only if I could get them individually. Yeah, I mean, I think this is, that's actually bringing back all of the stuff. Cause yeah, that was, that was the case too. Like, I think the reason I was friends with the bullies is because one-on-one -on -one, they were like, okay, people, but the second that, it was a group like and it would just be three of us like i i became the target like i was the lowest rung on the totem pole so like um, i would wail yeah and i don't know it just it was super unhealthy um and we had rubbing culture in new zealand like people take like make people insult each other like jokingly and so for so long i didn't realize that but I was just like, oh, this is just what like people do. And then I realized that like looking back, I was like, I was always the one that they made fun of. Like it wasn't a ribbing thing. It was that they were actually mocking me. Um, and I don't know, like some of the naivety probably protected me when I was younger, uh, and especially in the super unions. But um, no, I mean, for me, that went into adulthood. I, you know, years later, like I worked at a fashion magazine for a while and people tell me stuff that people said about behind my back or whatever have you um, that bother me because I thought they were friends and they really weren't. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's, that has been yeah. really hard. Yeah, I think 
yeah, I mean, finding out that stuff's that is rough. That's really difficult. Um, I just I got to a point though, I think, when I was in like twenties, that I just assumed that everyone hated me. So I started making self-deprecating jokes <laughs> in order to actually like diffuse people's stuff. Oh yeah, no, same. I like, I mean, especially like for me, like I'm, you know, it's like I'm a large, I'm, I'm a large, I'm a large brown dude um, with uh, uh, very ambiguous ethnicity, and you know, I live in America. And uh, you, you may have heard about our many yeah. racial issues, um, and yeah. so um, yeah, so it's um, yeah, people are always like my even my autism doctor is kind of like. It's just kind of like, you know, oh my God, you, you know, it's like you just like, it's like you have such a dark, sarcastic sense of humor. And I'm kind of like, mm hmm, what's your point? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's taken years to refine it, you know. And I always tell people, like, if you're going to be fat, you better be funny. Like, that's, <laughs> it puts people at ease. So, no, yeah. I definitely, I definitely feel that. Well, this, this, con thank you so much, Rory, for, for taking the time um you know a day and 20 hours um to talk to us i appreciate it and um why don't you give us your your plugs where we can find you online and if people need uh, your coaching where they can engage you with that um so the best way to get hold of me for my coaching is udaimonic.coach you may need to google how to spell that but it's e-u-d-a-i-m-o-n ic.coach um that's my coaching business i am rory reckons on twitter that's pretty much the only social media i'm on and you will see me post a lot because i'm usually doing two things at any one time and twitter is one of them um and yeah if you want to learn about autism or, or adhd or just any science stuff feel free to just send me a question or query That's all for this episode of the Cameron Journal podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Visit us online at CameronJournal.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And I love to talk to my followers and listeners. So please feel free to uh, get us on social media at Cameron Cowan on Twitter. And we'll see you next time on the Cameron Journal podcast.